Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hi, everybody, and glad you're with us for another edition of the Great America Show. How goes the country? Well, not so well. More than 70% now say the country's going in the wrong direction. Based on his approval ratings, a large majority of Americans believe the wrong person is in the White House taking us in the wrong direction. And inflation running at 6% is starting to become a personal issue for many Americans. 77%, almost four in five Americans, say inflation is now affecting them directly, personally. And in San Francisco, where else? Many uh, residents of this city by the bay are more worried about the language being used by journalists, reporters, anchors on television who are describing the grab and smash robberies of luxury stores in San Francisco as looting. A highly organized looting included physical assault, destruction of property, as well as theft of luxury high-end items, including jewelry and Louis Vuitton accessories. Between you and me, I often think accessory isn't quite right. It doesn't really capture that high price tag of those items. But anyway, the little buttercups in San Francisco are worried about the emotional state of looters who were in the process of looting when they punched and battered clerks and stole those items from the stores. So I've got a number of new words because I feel I should be politically sensitive to these snowflakes. I've come up with a list of synonyms, sensitive synonyms, I call them, for looters and looting. And I think the, the looters and the thugs will be more comfortable with these terms to describe the vicious, violent theft. So how about this? Instead of looters, why don't we call them plunderers? They plunder to take by force. So these thieves are plundering in San Francisco, not just looting. Or how about sacking, as in the sacking of Rome? A little archaic, but it's kind of fancy, don't you think? And perhaps better suited to the sophisticated tastes and emotions of San Franciscans. And how about good old pillaging? Now there's a great word. Pillage is defined as plundering ruthlessly. It is insufficient to plunder you have to plunder ruthlessly to rise to the level of pillaging. And note that loot, the word we're trying to replace, is the preferred synonym for pillaging. What will not work as a synonym for looting is the word pilfer. To pilfer is to take something or steal something, but do it quietly, stealthily, sneak something. And that requires a sneak thief in order to pilfer. Just trying to help out the folks in San Francisco who were so insulted about loot and looters looting when some of their fellow citizens decided to pillage and plunder. Just like others in Southern California, 
who decided to take booty, treasure, and pillage as they plundered shops on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. So that's the left for you. They're so worried about the emotional state of the thugs stealing and rampaging, and yes, looting, rather than the emotional state of those they beat and batter and from whom they steal. The left is a perverse bunch. Now, that can't be helped, but we don't have to give in to them. And I assure you, on The Great America Show, we will not. To take all of this up and more today, we're joined by a great American, superb radio talk show host and man of many talents, former gubernatorial candidate for the Republican Party, uh, none other than Larry Elder. Uh, he's a great Salem radio talent, a man with great political and social insight. My friend now, Larry Elder. Larry, welcome to The Great America Show. Let me start with, should I feel guilty in calling these thieves and thugs? <laughs> because actually, I feel no remorse. I confess to you, I feel no remorse at all. What do you well, think, Larry? Well, Lou, it could have been worse. You could have called them undocumented shoppers. Uh, no, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't feel guilty about all of this. That's one of the reasons, by the way, I ran for governor. I ran uh, about the rise in crime, and there's a number of reasons for it. We have a soft-on-crime governor uh, who, under his supervision, 18,000 convicted felons, many of them violent, have been released early. And based upon historical data, over half of them are likely to reoffend within the next year or two. Uh, he uh, has his fingerprints, as does George Soros, on a, a bunch of uh, soft-on-crime DAs, one in L.A., one in San Francisco, and one in Costa Mesa, Contra Costa County, rather, where Walnut Creek is, where they did that uh, massive shoplifting spree just the other right. day. Right. Uh, all these are, are, are supported by George Soros. They believe in cashless bail. They believe in decriminalization. They think it's a badge of honor uh, that, uh, that there are fewer criminals behind bars than there were when they took office. And they believe that, cr that criminals are victims of, uh, of society as opposed to uh, people that plunder uh, and terrorize innocent people. So you have that. You have a couple of propositions that were passed, including one called 47 and one called 57, both of which have basically decriminalized a lot of stuff. Some of the things that are no longer considered to be uh, 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 violent uh, crimes under Proposition 57, Lou, include human trafficking of a child, rape of an unconscious person by intoxication, drive-by shooting at an inhabited dwelling, assault with a firearm or deadly weapon, assault on a police officer. These are now nonviolent crimes under Prop 57. Serial arson, exploding a bomb to injure people, solicitation to commit murder, assault from a caregiver to a child under eight years old that could result in coma or death, and felony domestic violence. All of these are now deemed to be nonviolent offenses under Proposition 57. And under Proposition 47, you can steal up to 950 bucks, not just a day, but per store all day long. And if you get caught, uh, they'll write you a ticket and you've committed a misdemeanor. You no longer fear going to jail. And uh, even if you're arrested uh, and threatened with jail, of course, we have uh, these DAs that believe in cashless bail. So a whole bunch of people are on the streets who otherwise would not be on the streets but for soft on crime uh, governor, soft on crime DAs, uh, and ridiculous uh, measures that the voters passed, thinking that they were going to be uh, reforming our, our allegedly racist criminal justice system. Finally, one more thing. The governor of California, after he survived the recall election, Lou, a lot of us felt that he would be unleashed and would sign a bunch of stupid measures. One of them is to reduce what are called criminal enhancements 
so that DAs can no longer charge violent offenders to the fullest extent of the law. So you kill somebody, uh, you're probably going to do about half what you would have done, uh, but for the uh, bill that Gavin Newsom just now signed. So for all these reasons, crime is going up. And then you have, of course, the police are demoralized because they're accused of engaging in systemic racism. As a result, they're less aggressive, fewer traffic stops, fewer arrests, voila, crime goes up. And by the way, the people that are disproportionately hurt, of course, are black and brown people. I only mention their race, Lou, because people like Gavin Newsom pride themselves on caring about black and brown people. So there you have it. Yeah, that's some way to express your care and concern about anyone. Uh, and that is to reduce the state of California to a, a state of chaos uh, and criminality uh, right. at, at large in every quarter, it seems, of society uh, in, in the Golden State. It, it's, it, it's stunning to hear that list and to think what is being done to that, uh, that great state. It, it's just it is. It's it, it's awful. It's incomprehensible. And I don't understand, Larry, and I, and I mean this sincerely, I don't understand why the hell anybody would live there. Well, uh, I don't understand why a business would put up with this. Uh, well, looting, pillaging, it, plundering, my gosh. And Lou, they're not. Uh, more businesses have left uh, in 2021 than have left all of, uh, of last year. Uh, and the rate at which they're leaving is twice the rate at which they've left the last couple of years. Uh, and they're taking their businesses with them. They're taking their tax base with them. You know, this is a state that's got 40 million people. One um, percent, uh, almost one half of one percent, Lou, pay almost 50 percent of all the state income taxes. And that's the primary source of revenue for California. So when an Elon Musk uh, gets fed up uh, and says he's leaving California, and he is, uh, he's taking a sufficiently large tax base with him. Uh, and the number one reason, though, people who are middle class and working class a site when they leave California is they cannot afford the price of a home. The average price of a home in California has just hit $800,000. That is 175% above the national average. And the primary reason for that is because of the environmental rules and regulations that have thwarted development to the point now we have 1 million fewer houses on the market than we would had it not been for the environmental extremists that believe when you stick a, a spoon in the dirt, you've had a negative environmental impact. It's stunning. And as we're as we're talking about the plunder and the uh, pillaging in California, uh, there's a pretty good amount of that going on in the uh, in Washington D.C. on Capitol Hill and over at 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. Uh, they are talking confiscatory taxation. They are talking about taking wealth, uh, not income, uh, taxing uh, wealth and income uh, exorbitantly. And we're starting to see some significant impact just at the in the anticipation of such a tax system, uh, such a uh, draconian uh, alter uh, altering of the tax system and the raising of taxes. It is we're looking at, I think, a pivotal moment in our history. This is an inflection point that will uh, could have disastrous results in our markets and our economy. Your thoughts? I think you're right. You know, they hated Donald Trump so much that anything he did, they wanted to undo it uh, without thinking through uh, whether or not what Donald Trump has done uh, was successful, was advancing the interests of the American people. Uh, they're jacking up taxes, uh, jacking up regulations, passing so-called uh, infrastructure bills to the point where uh, our taxation is about ready to be the highest of any industrialized nation in the world. They also want to increase right. uh, the corporate uh, tax as well. Uh, you know, 
the, uh, the whole idea, uh, by the way, Lou, about this infrastructure stuff, I even said this during the Trump administration. Why is it my job to fix a crumbling bridge uh, in Minnesota? Why is it the job of people in Massachusetts to build a road for people in Illinois? All you're doing is encouraging states to be inefficient with their own money, knowing full well that the federal government is going to come along and bail them out. Exactly. Our, our, our fifth president was was um, James Monroe. He only cast one veto in his presidency, Lou, and it was uh, against the uh, expansion of the Cumberland Road that tax that the Congress had uh, appropriated funds for, even though the road would go through Virginia, which is his home state, because he felt that the Constitution under Article One, Section Eight, did not give the Congress the power to do that, and that's why he cast his only veto of his presidency. Uh, that train left the, left the station. Now we're funding things like Amtrak, funding things like uh, bullet trains in California. It's absolutely ridiculous. Whether it's done under a, a Democrat president or a Republican president, it is a complete and total assault of uh, the whole idea of federalism, leaving everything else to the states and to the people other than the essential small duties that the federal government is supposed to do. And in, and in large measure, uh, the Republican binos <clears throat> are the ones uh, every bit as responsible, uh, in some ways more responsible in the House of Representatives, when 13 Republicans, uh, rhino turncoats, decided to empower uh, President Biden and give him his uh, what was called a two trillion dollar bill, but we know that it will be part of a spending package that is actually rising toward five trillion dollars uh, over the next decade. Uh, this is stunning stuff, and the leadership of the Republican Party doesn't even know what their members are doing. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is a blundering minority leader. Mitch McConnell is a co-conspirator of the left as Senate uh, Minority Leader. Uh, it, what, in your judgment, is the impact of these rhinos, and can the Republican Party survive them? Well, let me give a quasi-defense on some of these rhinos, like Ted Cassidy of Louisiana and Rob Portman of Ohio, both of whom pointed out that under Donald Trump, who proposed something like a $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan, the Republicans were all ready to go for that. That was still a violation of federalism, in my opinion, still a violation of the idea that I ought not be spending my money uh, on the uh, inefficiencies of another state. So both parties have been doing it for decades. Uh, but you're right. Uh, these uh, rhinos, as you pointed out, uh, have have empowered Joe Biden. Uh, they should not have done it, but we should have been uh, rethinking the uh, assault on Article One, Section Eight for decades, and we yeah. haven't been doing it. Yeah, I would I would point out, Larry, uh, that the 1.2 trillion dollars that was under consideration in the Trump administration, we knew what was in it. Uh, right now, none of us know what's in that trillion, uh, multi-trillion dollar right. spending package. Right. Uh, except a lot, a lot of so-called pork and money for the salt states and for Democratic-run cities and states that are on the verge of fiscal collapse in several instances. Well, that, so, that is true. That, that is true, Lou. But let's let's remember, according to Joe Biden, this is not going to cost us anything. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard anything so far? You know, even by Biden standards, that is one of the most preposterous statements he's made. I, and by the way. Uh, it's not going to cost anything, and his economic stimulus package will not be inflationary. In fact, it is an anti-inflation program in his confused mind. That's right. And when the CBO came out and said it was going to add to the deficit, he still insisted it was going to decrease the deficit, having called the CBO the gold <laughs> standard. I guess it's not the gold standard anymore. Not hardly. Not hardly. Uh, let, let's 
take up what has been for a, a tragedy upon tragedy in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, let's begin for, if we can, with a with a happy uh, ending in the midst of tragedy, and that was the unanimous act of the jury to acquit Kyle Rittenhouse of the charges, which are charges I believe should never have been brought. Uh, and the reaction of the left, which was to froth and yell and scream and stamp their feet and start trying to figure out how they could punish him for being found not guilty. Your thoughts? Yeah. And of course, uh, people like uh, Joy Reid uh, and a woman named Tim Tiffany Cross, both of them are on MSNBC. She's probably even worse than Joy Reid, have both condemned Kyle, Kyle uh, Rittenhouse uh, as a white supremacist. I think Tiffany Cross called him uh, a white little supremacist. Uh, what's interesting is the reaction on the part of the left to this obviously uh, 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 warranted verdict. Uh, these are some of the same people, <clears throat> Lou, that uh, are, are uh, condemning us for daring to question the results of the 2020 election, mm -hmm. uh, but, they're, but they have no problem questioning the results of this jury. And by the way, I understand that there was at least, quote, one person of color on the jury, close quote. I even heard that that person was a black person. And if so, why isn't someone talking about uh, that this was a unanimous jury that included at least one person of color? Did the other white people browbeat the person of color into finding him not guilty on all five counts? Another thing, Lou, the very same day of the acquittal verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, there was a guilty verdict handed down by a white judge in Kansas City uh, who uh, ruled guilty a white detective uh, who killed an unarmed black man in Kansas City. An unarmed black man, ironically, who was also driving a red truck. He was driving it after, after his girlfriend. By the time the man got to his house, he'd slowed down. Uh, the police arrived and um, claimed that he reached for a gun uh, and a white detective shot and killed this man. Turns out that uh, there's suspicion that evidence was planted. In any case, it was a white judge, a, a bench trial, not a jury trial, Lou. White judge found this white detective guilty of killing an unarmed black man. Uh, and nobody seemed to care about this case. I right. guess because it, it did not uh, fit the script. I don't know what happened. Uh, it was televised, as were the trials uh, in, uh, in uh, the Rittenhouse trial and the Armand Arbery trial. Again, involved an unarmed black man. Uh, and I just can't imagine why this wasn't uh, a national uh, national news. And when the trial was over, I would have thought that would have made national news. But it made local news in Kansas City and a few outlets published something about it. But it didn't uh, get any national news. And I guess it didn't fit the script. The script is that the, the criminal justice system is racist. Uh, white people get off. White cops get off. This one did not. And nobody seems, seems to care. Yeah, no one in the national left-wing media is defined by MSNBC, which you're watching way too much of, my friend. <laughs> I, watch, I, I tell my audience, I, I watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> and we're deeply appreciative, let me assure you. It is a, a period in, in Wisconsin for the terrible, uh, terrible uh, tragedy in right. Waukesha took place when they... Uh, a man who described himself as a terrorist uh, drove a, a red SUV uh, into a, a parade uh, and, and mowed them down. He massacred them. It was a mass killing. It was, by all witness accounts, intentional in every way. Right. And the man had just run over 
uh, his girlfriend. Right. Uh, he had uh, been released from bail twice, uh, released from jail twice on $1,000 and $5,000 bail. Right. For, among other things, running over his girlfriend <clears throat> with the very same red SUV that he drove into those innocent uh, people uh, in Waukesha. Uh, this is, and the national media doesn't seem to want to say what he is. He's a terrorist. He attacked those people. He massacred them. We're seeing examples of the, the media reporting it as it was the car drove into a parade. Right. As, as if there were no driver for crying out loud. You know, your, and, and, your and reaction. Can you, well, can you imagine if some uh, white driver had driven uh, through a group of, uh, of black people uh, during a parade, they'd be calling it a hate crime. And by the way, you mentioned $5,000 bail. That was reduced to 1000 So uh, he uh, had two violent offenses against him, was released on $500 bail, and then released on $1,000 bail. He never should have been on the streets in the first place. Uh, it would have been called a hate crime if the racist of the people involved had been reversed. Uh, he never should have been out. Uh, and the DA, uh, under whose office gave him these very soft bails, now says that the bail amounts were inappropriately low. Well, duh. Uh, thank you for arriving. He's one of these, again, soft on crime DAs who's written about uh, the criminal justice system, about how many people are are behind bars, too many people are behind bars. Uh, you know, the same kind of sociology uh, that uh, is behind these soft on crime DAs out here in California. This is an absolute outrage. The number one job of government, of course, is to protect people and property, and this is not being done. Not being done. And the Black Lives Matter activists uh, who said, quote, it sounds like the revolution has started in Wisconsin. Right. Doesn't that sound like a, a, a statement designed to be a call to action uh, for the revolution? It, it sounds I, it sounds to it, me like 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 insurrection. They're calling these rioters uh, on January 6th insurrectionists, even though not a single one of the 400 people arrested has been charged with insurrection. But what these guys are saying, or the Black Lives Matter people are saying, sounds to me exactly like insurrection. How about that uh, Black Lives Matter guy in New York named Hawk Newsom? Uh, who said that if they reinstitute the gang um, gang unit, uh, there's going to be blood in the streets. Uh, nobody at all called him an insurrectionist. He's not being prosecuted or arrested for uh, inciting violence. Uh, it's outrageous. And by the way, Lou, don't get the impression that these Black Lives Matter speak for anybody other than themselves. According to Gallup, 81% of Black people want the police manpower in their neighborhoods to be the same, if not increased. So these people are speaking for a minority of people. Also, there was a New York Times reporter She's former reporter. It's probably why she's talking about this. She was right. assigned to talk about the riots that took place in Kenosha after the shooting of Jacob Blake. Uh, and the notion was that these were high end businesses that had insurance and therefore the negative impact was going to be minor. Turned out these were low end businesses. Many of them were owned by minorities. She filed the report and The New York Times did not want to publish it, did not publish it until after the election for fear that it might uh, hurt Joe Biden. This is the kind of crap that we're endearing with our with our media, with big tech suppression. As you know, the Hunter Biden story was suppressed. Uh, conservative content is suppressed. Uh, my um, uh, Twitter account has been bottle capped. I ran for governor, as you pointed out. I've never been more popular. But since my race, I've now lost thousands of Twitter followers. I have a uh, 
uh, a YouTube channel for Epic Times. I used to have about a, over 500,000 followers. And all of a sudden, I have the same number of followers every single day for the last couple of years. Amazing how I'm not getting any bigger. This is what uh, big tech is doing to a bunch of conservative providers uh, because they just don't want the truth to get out. This is Orwellian uh, and uh, in ways I think even George Orwell did not imagine. I think that's that's right, uh, because I don't think George Orwell or many people uh, at any time uh, anticipated that there would be an alignment of interests mm -hmm. among the Marxist left in this country, uh, uh, corporate HR departments and executive suites uh, and uh, and the national left wing media working very hard to to attack the fundamental values and tenets of American life. Uh, in, in the, and it's, it, it's stunning to watch because we are a nation right now under assault. The Republican Party is at the forefront, uh, shoulder to shoulder with the radical Democratic Party. And the target is the American middle class, working men and women. And, and, and we're watching the, the result every day. And yet the national media wants us to think, well, you know, the good guys are the rhino Republicans and the bad guys are some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, ambiguous uh, 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 group within the Democratic Party, uh, led by, of course, uh, Joe Biden. It, it's nonsense. We have two political parties trying to crush the, the fundamental precepts of this country. It's scary. And I also think we need to include Hollywood and, of course, academia. Uh, Absolutely. Who, who would have thought that people like the squad would have such power over the Democratic Party? Joe Biden, of course, uh, was elected because he was a so-called moderate. His job was to stop Donald Trump from getting elected. Uh, he, uh, he mission accomplished. Uh, and then the assumption was he would put the party uh, in the middle. And instead, all of the power is the squad. And I would also add Al Sharpton. Uh, who, if you Google Al Sharpton and Democrat Kingmaker, stand back, your, your computer will explode. This man uh, who was in the streets of Ferguson yelling, no justice, no peace, uh, mm -hmm. is a Democrat Kingmaker. And virtually every one of the major Democrat candidates in 2020 went to New York to kiss his ring. Rashida, Rashida Tlaib, one quarter of the squad, Lou, just gave an interview to a left wing outlet called Axios on HBO. And she supports a bill to release every single prisoner uh, behind federal prisons uh, within 10 years. Every single prisoner she wants released within 10 years. Let's start with her with releasing them in her neighborhood first. This is absolutely just, that, that somebody could be taken seriously like that, that the squad could, could be taken seriously, that someone like AOC could be taken seriously is drop dead scary to me, Lou. And and let's when we say taken <clears throat> seriously, we're, we're talking about the national left wing media. Right. But the left wing media that is taking AOC and the Marxist left in this country, whether it's Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the, the radical Dems themselves, uh, or the HR departments of corporate America, That's right. uh, who are working to deliver uh, critical race theory and EID, uh, all of the this uh, just frankly manufactured nonsense that is an assault on, uh, on our economic and political system. Uh, you have to understand that this is, there are no accidents here. You mentioned George Soros earlier in, in the podcast. Uh, think about the Milwaukee district attorney, who, by the way, wouldn't 
who wouldn't be known had he not uh, had a, quite a history. Right. And I just want to close here with Milwaukee District Attorney John Chilson, who said this about the, uh, the driver of that SUV who was released uh, on bail. He intentionally lowered that bail as part of the justice reform uh, uh, ideology that he conforms to. He was asked, don't you think it's dangerous? His answer was, quote, you bet my bail reforms will kill people. But that doesn't change the program. Right. It right. is. It's stunning. We uh, our, our habit here is to uh, give each guest the last word. And this is your opportunity. Larry, take it away. Well, um, we've been talking about how the media has been assaulting our values. I'd like to point out when I ran for governor in California, a writer for the LA Times in a headline article about me said, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. You've been warned. Uh, New York Times had a big long article about me, uh, negative about my candidacy. Never mentioned that I'm black, never mentioned that had I won, I would have been the first black governor of, of uh, California, which is fine with me. I think it's about time we talked about people's qualifications or lack thereof without referring to uh, their race, their religion, their ethnicity. I was fine with that. <laughs> but the very same day, very same newspaper, equally long article about the first female governor of New York. Uh, she exactly. was she was first and it was relevant because she had a D at the end of her name. Uh, I was first. It's not relevant because I have an R at the end of my name. Can they at least be consistent? Uh, this cabal of media, Hollywood, academia, and big tech uh, is destroying this country. And I hope America wakes up in time to do something about it before we lose our republic. Larry Elder, always in the fight and uh, fighting for this great republic. Uh, Larry, great to have you here. I appreciate it, my friend, and uh, I wish a, a, a great day and see you soon. You got it, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're coming right back with more of The Great America Show. Stay with us. You've heard me talk about for some time the importance of our middle class, working men and women in this country who are the backbone of our economy and indeed our society. I wrote a book some 15 years ago now entitled The War on the Middle Class. In that book, I detailed the unconscionable choices made by corporate America and politicians of both parties to ship millions of American jobs overseas and to exploit far cheaper foreign labor to produce the same goods working Americans had manufactured for years. The book was also a warning to all who would listen that we no longer have a society and an economy in which the interests of hardworking Americans and small business owners is aligned with big business and U.S. multinational corporations. And here we are now, facing the consequences of not only outsourcing all those great American jobs to cheap foreign labor markets, but also corporate America's choices over all those years to invest hundreds of billions of dollars in factories and plants overseas rather than here at home. The globalist elites and business and government refuse to acknowledge how many millions of jobs we lost in the course of the past two decades, how many hundreds of billions of dollars in wages went overseas rather than into the bank accounts and pockets of American working families. 
And there's a reason that we do not have solid, reliable numbers on the number of those jobs shipped overseas. The U.S. government, in particular, the Commerce and Treasury Departments, refused, declined to count the number of jobs lost, to count the number of American workers whose jobs went to China, to Asia, to Mexico, to Romania, to wherever the business could save money by hiring cheap workers in foreign countries. Our government didn't want to report those numbers for obvious reasons. The elites had a plan, and they wanted no interference from the people, from the citizens of this great country, as they hollowed out the American economy, took those millions of jobs and shipped them overseas, put together plants and factories on foreign shores, and, of course, business organizations like the Chamber of Commerce and the Business Roundtable, big corporations, and, of course, banks and Wall Street, could have provided that information, but they, too, had a strong fundamental financial and, and political interest in keeping the American people in the dark. All these years later, we have what the leftist-owned corporate media call a supply chain disruption. The elites blame the China virus pandemic for that disruption. They blame labor unions working in U.S. ports. They blame antiquated technology and too little investment, whether in Southeast Asia, the United States, or Central and South America. They blame just about everyone but the elites in business, in education, the elites in politics for those decisions so many years ago to outsource our jobs and our factories to overseas cheap labor economies. The truth is we're watching that 20-year-old global elitist model of transference of good-paying American jobs to cheap foreign labor markets, as if it made any sense ever that we would make this nation dependent on Southeast Asian nations and a communist nation like China, for crying out loud. And it will take years if we are ever to right the wrongs of those elites' decisions and focus instead on the interests of America, American workers, rather than squandering trillions of dollars that made American big business hugely profitable and kept American workers' wages stagnant, stagnant for 20 years. Meanwhile, there are political forces within our body politic working to further divide this divided nation attacking American values, our heritage, and our way of life. Whether Black Lives Matter, Antifa, or the Marxist left and the Democratic Party, who use race, a culture of victimhood, group and identity politics, and focus on economic inequality to attack our capitalist economic system and the very foundation of our constitutional republic, that is, law and order. Let's begin with a tragedy that's befallen the state of Wisconsin. Whether as a result of the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that led to so much violence, including an incident with a 17-year-old who defended himself against four of those rioters, killing two of them. Acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse is still a victim, a target of the Marxist left and Black Lives Matter. In Waukesha, Wisconsin, five people are dead, 40 injured, as many as 10 children are in ICU still. That after a man drove his SUV 
into a Christmas parade. Joining us today is former NFL player Jack Brewer, named to the Bipartisan Commission on the Status of Black Men and Boys, entrepreneur, supporter of first Barack Obama, and then Donald Trump. Jack Brewer, it's great to have you with us. Great to be with you, Lou. I, I really appreciate uh, coming on the show. Well, we're, we're delighted to have you, and I, I want to turn to some of these difficult issues that we're, uh, we're taking up today. And, and one of them, of course, is the, the violence that we have seen over the course of the past couple of years. Uh, 2020, an extraordinary uh, period of time. 2021, uh, less violent, but still the same forces at work. Why is it that, in your judgment, uh, so many people uh, on the left, and I, I assume uh, many on the right, are making so much of race uh, as, a, uh, as a focal point of their political rhetoric and their political debate? You know, Lou, truth is, is something that a lot of people can't handle. Uh, and, you know, truth at, at some point in time is going to always cause a little bit of conflict. You know, it's, it's going to cause a, deba a debate. Uh, and right now, so many leaders uh, on the left don't want to have that debate. And so it's easier for them just to uh, change what truth is and the reality of things. And so that's what you're seeing taking place. And that's the reason why uh, when it comes to the issues of race, even uh, liberals who don't agree uh, with this Marxist movement, with this anti-Christ movement, with you know the left's just infatuation with dividing people in skin color, they don't want to have that conversation because they're not willing uh, to debate with those who are on their side and they want to maintain in power. So it's easy for the president of the United States uh, to completely dismiss our laws, uh, completely dismiss the Second Amendment uh, and to actually side on the side of, of, of rapists and, and people who uh, are terrorizing our streets. He's OK with doing that uh, because then he won't have to have the, the, comp the tough racial conversation uh, that he would otherwise have to have with his staff and his team and so many uh, in the Congressional Black Caucus that support him. Uh, and that's what's so un uh, unfortunate, Lou, it's that, you know, forget the politicians, forget those folks in power. This stuff is going and trickling all the way down into our inner cities. So our our kids that uh, have no voice into the, the folks that aren't even involved in politics, don't watch CNN or Fox. Uh, it's actually affecting the minds of our children. And that's really the issue. And, it's, and you're seeing it across our education system. Uh, and, and like you always talk about, uh, Lou, you're seeing it across our business and business sectors. Uh, this new philosophy, uh, this new indoctrination uh, that you hear from so many people uh, is really uh, the, the biggest threat to our nation right now, man. It, it is stunning, isn't it, that we see corporate America right now aligned with much of corporate America aligned with uh, Marxist Black Lives Matter, uh, with Antifa, uh, with the radical left uh, in, on Capitol Hill. And, and they're actually carrying out the mission uh, mm. for the Democratic Party, for the left. Uh, they've turned their HR departments over to uh, critical race theory. Uh, to uh, equity, inclusion, diversity, uh, and whatever they want to make that mean. Mm. But what it doesn't mean is certainly equity. 
uh, and equality. It means differentiation, and it means uh, assigning resources to make certain that one group prevails over another, rather than uh, retains the, the strongest elements of meritocracy in business, uh, in the corporate structure, uh, in the workplace. Your thoughts about CRT and this crazy alignment uh, with establishment media uh, and corporate uh, HR departments. You know, I, I think the, the issue is half of, of those that are supporting it don't truly understand what it is they're supporting, uh, or they're so emotional about it that they don't really look deep enough to realize uh, what it's doing to the children. You know, I, I have a, a school, I'll give you a quick example, Lou. I have a school uh, here that I, I do. It's a it's, it's basically an after-school program, bringing kids in, help them with their reading and math proficiency. And I go there every day and I, and I see these kids and most of them, you know, they're four, five, six grades below their reading and math levels. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to get them up. And Good. Good for you. just last week, I had a, a young lady come in and explain to me that her teacher has has told her and indoctrinated her to think that getting a 69 is a good job and that it's okay yeah. to, to get, you know, 50s and 60s on test. And that's CRT. They're telling them that just because she's a little, little black girl, beautiful little black girl, Lou, that it's okay to get a 60 or, or, or 50 on a test. And that is what's happening now. And it's and it's being embraced because one, these liberals in these organizations like these major unions, like the teachers union, they have so much power. They don't want to be held accountable for actually teaching these children. And so it's 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 now become a, a part partially a money grab. But then also they want to make sure that they keep the control uh, within these big you know, organizations, these huge agencies. Uh, that are spending billions of dollars. I'm not sure if you saw, but our our federal education budget has now gone up to 130 billion dollars a year. Uh, we have, you know, most uh, states are spending between 15 and 16 thousand dollars per kid per child. So that means you're averaging almost 20 thousand dollars per child per school year, and we have a a population swell of kids that can't read and write at their right. grade level. It is embarrassing, Lou, and that is an example of what CRT and that mentality is doing. CRT means no accountability. CRT means government agencies being able to make an excuse to their most underserved students so that people don't have to be held accountable for the job they actually do, for the time they actually spend teaching, and they can indoctrinate these kids to believe that they're victims. You know, America used to be the land of opportunity where we want to talk about uh, how great we can be and how we can dream and how we can aspire. The CRT is ripping that apart. It's taking that away uh, from our future generation, and it's scary. Uh, and I see it every day. And and the idea that they are victims uh, under the teachings of CRT and its structure, its philosophy of white racism, hmm. uh, and that there is a collective multi-generational guilt for events that took place hundreds of years ago in some cases. This is a bizarre philosophy. It's a bizarre logic, and it is, it's not scholarship. It is propaganda in most respects. Uh, it, it's one thing to acknowledge our history, 
uh, as at, at their in my, at the most generous interpretation, the 1619 project is is history right. and important history. But it is not in and of itself our history. It is an element that there's trying to uh, that others are trying to create as a definitional uh, a perspective on our history that influences uh, all of our history, which is utter nonsense. It, it, it is. Not, it I, is nonsense. It's nonsense, Lou. And think about it like this: even if we want to sit and talk about slavery, let's have the slave discussion. Sure. Right. Let's let's nationwide. Let's bring everybody in and have the slave discussion. Are we going to just talk about the two percent of Americans that own slaves and not give any account to the 98 percent that didn't? Are we are, Lou, are we going to talk about slavery and only talk about those that fought for it and not talk about the millions that fought against it? You see, right. the, it, it, the, the issue is not talking about the history, like you said. The history is trying to change the reality of history. You see, the reality of American history is that the reason we overcame those issues are because we had a lot of good people of all races who were not going to put up with things that were not according to God. This is a godly nation. And so at its core, they're trying to rip that out. That's what CRT is doing. That's what Black Lives Matter movement is about. It's about separating us from our God-given rights and for our, our rights to assemble ourselves and, and, and worship our, our almighty God. Because if they can remove the fear of God from our kids and from our future generations, they know that their communist um, plans uh, will fall in order. That's what this is about. Uh, and so we can't we can't be fooled by what their goals really are here. Uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, they're accomplishing their goals. And like you said, the major corporations in America, like the National Football League, where I proudly played, uh, to, to, to start supporting anti-Christ, anti-family organizations like Black Lives Matters. I mean, these people are not good people uh, to, to come and want to separate people by the color of their skin. I mean, you would think that the National Football League would be the ultimate voice against that, given the fact that the league is full of, you know, 70 80 percent uh, African-American men who are wealthy men who are living the American dream. You would think they wouldn't tolerate that, but it's not the reality. Yeah, it, It's sort of stunning to think about those great athletes. Uh, I mean, you're talking about guys who are faster, bigger, stronger than uh, anyone on the planet. <laughs> and and they're sitting there listening to this dribble. Uh, as they're being condescended to by the NFL wearing something on their helmet says end racism. You know, I, I mean, how about end cancer? How about Amen. end conflict? How about end uh, Satan? Uh, That's right. Why don't we do all of those things? But to, because it, if it were so simple that we could just put two words on the back of a professional football player's helmet, uh, man, I, I'd be all for that. But what it is, is it is it is condescension to say this is really an important statement about justice and equality in America. This is nonsense. This is not going to change anything. And it's not going to change anyone. And we know it. And that's the shame of it. Because when you talked about that beautiful young black girl who was being told that 69% is great, and that is, she should be proud of that. 
uh, because of critical race theory, because that is the way they're being taught. You know, this, that's what's called in my day. I'm a product of the 60s. That was the tyranny of low expectations. Yes. Who the hell is Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, or any of the people who have conspired to make that part of the curricula in public schools, which are, by the way, the greatest institution, in my judgment, of equality, creating true, true opportunity uh, for all of us, and to cheapen that experience and diminish it for that young girl and for every one of us is horrific and and their parents should be standing up in that school board yes i understand would be running the risk of being called a domestic terrorist but tell that school board if any one of your teachers ever tells my kid that 69 percent is good enough you know we got to have a discussion in a big way because that means the teachers and the federation of teachers and the national education association the two biggest teachers unions and the left in this country have seized control of our public schools from parents and from the community. And that cannot be tolerated. It can't. It can't. And Lou, I, I, I was just appointed as a commissioner on the Commission for the Social Status of Black Men and Boys. And it's a, you know, it's a nonpartisan commission, but it, it's majority uh, Congressional Black Caucus. And, and I'm one of the few conservatives, uh, along with Larry Elder, uh, who are who are really deeply trying to address these issues affecting black men. And, and that was the first thing that I said. I, I told everyone, let's put our politics aside. Um, I don't care what what population uh, you go to around the world. Uh, you have to address uh, your most underserved. You got to address the poorest of the poor. You got to address the ones that have the most conflict. And right now in America, we all know that that's black men. Uh, in particular, they make up about six. We make up about six percent of the population. Um, but yet we're incarcerated more. Um, our educational levels are the lowest. Uh, our health care levels are the lowest. There's so many disparities that we have. And so to get to the root cause of those disparities, we have to have truth. Right. We can't have this propaganda machine around us. We can't have the Democratic Party and Congressional Black Caucus representing our interests. Uh, while they want to to make us continue to be victims when we're not victims. Uh, and so in, in my opinion, and, and, in, and if you look at the facts and the data, you will see that the majority of African-American young boys are born in a fatherless home. The vast majority, over 70 yep. percent fatherless right. home. So from an economic perspective, you are automatically going to be in the lowest demographic if you don't have a family around you, family structure. You mentioned the parents going up to the school boards. The reason why a lot of black uh, families can't go to the school boards is because they got a single mom working and she can't take off work long enough to even pay attention to the homework or go and be a part of the school Absolutely. because there's no dad. And then we have a criminal justice system that we spend $9 billion a year on our federal criminal justice system. Less than 2% of that money actually goes to programs. So you're locking these all these guys up and you're giving these big unions and all these groups all the money instead of actually putting it into educating these guys, reforming them, getting them mental health uh, uh, help. Uh, actually, when they get so when they get out, they can go back into their homes and actually be fathers uh, instead of ending right back up in jail. And then you look at our education system, as we talked about, 71 percent of dropouts in America are fatherless, Lou. 
71%. I mean, think about that number. So you have right now in America over 2.5 million dropouts of high school every year. We're putting 2.5 million kids on our streets with no high school diploma. It's embarrassing. And so you know how to get to the root cause, and that's to go back into these policies, these old liberal democratic policies from the Civil Rights Act uh, that started incentivizing all these welfare programs that you're giving to mothers. Right. Let's incentivize the family. Let's 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 tell let's tell these single mothers you get married, you bring a man in the home. We'll let you keep your welfare for a year or two until you get on your feet. Let's incentivize the family structure in America instead of incentivizing fatherless homes, because that's what we've been doing. And so I'm I'm just working. I'm working really hard with a few different groups. I, I'm working with the America First Policy Institute, um, talking to the Heritage Foundations and, and others uh, to, to put together real policy to address this crisis, because it's not an issue. It's a crisis. Uh, and if we don't fix it, if we don't fix the bottom uh, portion of our country, uh, we will all we will all decline. And so I, I, I'm really passionate about helping with this fatherless crisis, man. And, you know, folks with voices like you, Lou, good conservative, strong voices. I, I encourage you all to, to continue to, to talk about this issue in America, because this is really uh, the root cause of so many things that happen in, in our country. You know, you are right. It is a crisis, but it's also been a crisis for 50 years. Yep. Uh, we have spent, I don't know how many trillions of dollars We've had program after program after program. And I, and I by the way, worked in a, a couple of those programs as a young man. Uh, we have seen, uh, you know, that we don't hear a classification of underprivileged. We don't hear the expression disadvantaged. But the truth is, these young men and women, and I'm talking about boys and, and girls really now uh, yep. who are in our schools, who are being treated like this by their teachers, who are being told all of this nonsense. There's nothing aspirational in it. There is nothing that is helpful in it. There's not a single word of it that helps in terms of opening a young mind to the yeah. possibilities of what, uh, what education brings. Because those teachers, frankly, can't teach yep. a subject. There are only 10% of teachers in our public schools right now, and I think this number may be a little high. 10% of teachers have a degree in the subjects they teach mm. that is stunning and and we have these uh, you know television programs called awards programs uh for the teacher of the year now they may be some terrific teachers but you and i both know the best teachers are are using themselves up uh to help those kids to right. teach them to inspire them and it is it is hard hard work, and there's no overtime pay. There's no you know special bonus uh, for young minds that uh, are suddenly uh, bright and filled with possibility uh, because of the of a teacher. But each one of us, and I think I, I'm going to just say this, and, and and I can't wait to hear your answer. But I can look back, and I can see half a dozen teachers in my life who made all the difference in the world. How about you? No doubt. I mean, I, I think I think back on those teachers where, you know, a lot of them were hard on me. Uh, but at the time, I didn't understand why. But now I know that they saw potential in me. 
um, you know, my teachers, my coaches, you know, and folks that, you know, even you know, whether it was algebra or, you know, I, I English, I struggled with English early on just because, you know, I grew up in a, in a house where, where my dad, you know, had trouble reading. He couldn't he couldn't really read uh, until he got older. And, right. you know, I didn't have a lot of education in my family. Uh, and so my my grammar and the things that I was around, it was around, it, it was it was not proper. And so I was around that type of speaking. And so to go to class and have someone actually push you uh, and encourage you to speak properly. I didn't know it then, but now it was like, man, that made me into the man that I am. I mean, whether I'm going on national TV or I'm speaking in front of groups of people, all of this is a result of this great nation. All of this is a result of, of teachers who actually cared and held me ac accountable uh, and used truth to educate me uh, versus this indoctrination. And so it's mm -hmm. sad to think that that doesn't exist for everyone. Uh, and it really does. And that that's what this nation is all about, you know. And and, and so uh, that's what we're fighting for. You know, that's just not a Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. What it is, is, is fighting for the opportunity of this nation that so many have died for. Uh, and really, I think the reason why you saw what happened in Virginia and the reason why you've seen such an outpour against the CRT uh, and the in our public school system being indoctrinated is because people understand now that the generation today is not getting the same opportunities that we had. Uh, and that is a sad thing. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, and when we look at what's happened in, in Wisconsin, uh, here's a young man uh, frightened for his life, his well-being, with video evidence of people pointing guns at him, hitting him with a skateboard and so forth. And yet the left want to exploit that as a political opportunity. They're attacking the actions of a 17-year-old boy. Uh, when the, what are you going to do? Believe your lying eyes? We have video of this, video that the prosecution tried to keep away from the jury. It, it was a unanimous decision. This young man had every right to defend himself. And what has to frighten the left is that people understand that central message you have a right to self-defense you have a responsibility in point of fact of self-defense and and jack i'll tell you i think that uh, the story of kyle rittenhouse is this he did what you would hope that every citizen in that community would have the strength and the courage to do is to stand up for their community to stand there and say you're not going to burn down this uh, this person's uh, you know, house or business. Uh, we know that a New York Times reporter actually had her story about all of the minority businesses that were destroyed uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Right. And they held it until after the election. How cheap and awful can one newspaper be? It's terrible. The New York Times shows this almost every day. Every day they show it and they show it and it and it and the the thing is 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 that there's actually supported by so many people and mm -hmm. and that's why it's so disgusting when you see from the president on down uh people that continue to call this kid uh, a white supremacist um and I know people that are very very close to him and that is just a slap in the face this kid is not political he doesn't even he doesn't know Republican from Democrat he's not involved in politics he's 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 not that is not even where his head is. Uh, yeah. And so to just paint this 
false narrative around this kid. This kid was a 17-year-old. He he's a normal kid out there wanting to, to be an EMT and helping and serving. He's 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 cleaning off graffiti. I tell you what, if that was my son out there doing that, I'd want him to do the exact same thing that Kyle Rittenhouse did. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I have you'd have no choice but to protect yourself. Uh, and then you you look at the folks who are attacking him. And then you really understand and see what situation the situation was like. These were all out criminals on the streets. And the fact the fact that Black Lives Matter and the left have somehow propped up these people. I mean, these keep raping kids. One guy that raped five kids. Why are they even on the street because of these liberal policies releasing these these folks? These people shouldn't even have been on the streets, Lou. And now all of a sudden uh, they're acting as if Kyle Rittenhouse went out and hunted three black men. I mean, it really is ridiculous how the, the media has been able to change this narrative. And then all of these leaders on the left that should be sensible people. That we, we have obligations as adults to stand up uh, and to be make a good impact for our kids and to tell the truth. But to come out a kid like this, this boy was 17 years old, to come out a kid like this really shows you how low things have gotten and how low these people are to be able to use this to prop up themselves uh, with this false narrative. It really is disgusting. Uh, I just hope and I pray for this nation as we go into this 22 cycle and the 24 cycle. Uh, that the violence comes back and, and people get a get a sense of reality again uh, and put their own children and themselves in the in the situation that others are placed in. Uh, and they may react to it a little bit differently. Yeah, I, I, we can certainly pray so. Uh, Jack, it's been great talking with you, uh, you know, amongst the things that we deal with the GoFundMe people denied Rittenhouse a fundraising uh, address on uh, their uh, on their GoFundMe uh, because of his politics as they perceived it. It was because of GoFundMe's politics, not Rittenhouse's, that they denied this kid support from GoFundMe. And it's disgusting. While they also provided crowdfunding for BLM rioters, looters, <laughs> uh, it's it's appalling. It's not about his politics. It's about the politics of those who have a vested interest in turning this country upside down. And they don't give a damn about the lives, the young lives that they are uh, so negatively influencing and in some cases destroying. Uh, A lot of work to be done. And I think you had it right from uh, the very beginning here, Jack. Some people just can't stand the truth. Others, others demand it. I'm delighted uh, to have you on the show. You are a man who demands the truth. I respect that, and I applaud uh, your nature and your commitment. Thanks so much for being with us, Jack. Thanks, Lou. God bless you. Thank you, brother. You too. Thank you. God bless. We have deep and profound and often painful divisions and obviously problems in this country. But none of that should ever ever mask the true, true land of opportunity that America is and what a beacon of hope for liberty we are to the entire world. Jack Brewer is one of those who inspire the rest of us. Great to have him on the show today. 
Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.